0: The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge. And the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said, To the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. So we're going to do it this morning. We're going to talk about adultery, and it might be a little bit awkward. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to scare the parents or anything like that. I'm not going to speak explicitly, but we will speak openly. And look, if if your kids understand what I'm talking about, it might be time. It actually might be time to have that conversation with them, don't you think? So maybe today's going to be the start of that conversation. Why adultery? Well, we have several reasons. I'm going to tell you... It's not because there's sort of an epidemic of adultery happening at Sure Foundation, not that I know of. And it's actually not something that I particularly enjoy speaking about. That's not why. We have liturgical reasons, I think, don't we? It's almost like, as we read the lessons, that there's this big blinking signpost that says, we need to talk about adultery because David gets caught in it doesn't it? Doesn't he? And the Apostle Paul says, live a holy life. And then we have Jesus in verses 27 to 30. That's what we're going to focus on. We have Jesus talking about adultery. So there's this big blinking sign that says, pastor, congregation, you should really think about this. That's what the worship service is saying. But there's other reasons too, aren't there? There's cultural reasons for this. Don't you think? First of all, uh, did you know that it's Valentine's Day and Tuesday? <laughs> and so maybe on your way home, grab that box of chocolates or that, the flowers. Order those up, guys, if, if you haven't done that yet, for that special someone. But there's other reasons, too. Aren't there cultural reasons? It, it's not just about Valentine's Day. It's, it's also the fact that somebody texted me uh, one of the leading articles on USA Today this last week, and the headline says, sleeping together before the first date is A-OK, but having a cracked iPhone is a turnoff. That's what millennials say. Now I scratched my head and I tried to figure out Now how is that possible that you sleep together without even having a date. Um, but the fact of the matter is millennials today, according to the survey, actually think the greater sin is having a, a cracked iPhone than premarital sex. And, there, and then there's the fact, if you just walk around Woodside for a while, right in our own community, there's this giant billboard over Northern Boulevard and there's this Half-naked man and this half-naked woman, it's been there for months, and underneath it says hashtag WTF. I'm not going to tell you what that means. (laughs) And I had to figure out, well, what are they trying to sell? And it took me a while to figure out that they're actually trying to sell cars that way. There are, we could go on all day naming these examples. If you live in Tribeca, watch out, right? We could go on all day trying to name cultural reasons why we need to understand what Jesus teaches about sex and about adultery. But there's one other reason, I think, today, besides liturgical reasons and cultural reasons why we need to think about this as Christians, and that's because this is utterly personal. And I'll give you an example. I have three daughters. I don't want them objectified. I don't want them victimized by lustful glances. I don't. Um, Some of us have husbands. Some of us have wives. Some of us are dating. And all of us have very personal reasons to think about this with Jesus today. Don't we? So this is what we're going to do. One verse at a time. We're just going to hear what Jesus teaches about this. Here's what he says. This is our first verse. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. So here's what's going on. There are these people trying to narrow down the definition of what it means to commit adultery. And apparently, in Jesus' day, they had been very successful. They had been very successful at narrowing narrowing down the definition so that it was only adultery if you were married. And it was only adultery if there was actually physical contact in some key areas of the human anatomy. That's what was happening. And so, it was a-okay to fantasize As long as you didn't touch, it was a-okay to lust as long as you didn't get involved physically. It was a-okay to think about these things and let just about anything run through your mind as long as there was no actual sex taking place. And so it became this very narrow definition, and people could do all of these different lustful things. What is sexual sin today, according to our world? I'm convinced that that category is so narrow anymore that there's no such thing as sin against the sixth commandments. I mean, think about it. If you, it's a worse sin to have a cracked iPhone than to, to fall into bed before the first date. That's what the surveys say. Billboards, magazines, Netflix, people joking about the use of pornography. There's, like, there's no sin against the Sixth Commandment anymore, apparently. If we could compare this to something... Or compare it to a man. The sexual morality today would be like the naked cowboy. Perfectly shameless. Everything's permitted. Everything's okay. And Jesus says, I don't think so. Here's how he continues. It's verse 28. He says, but I tell you, that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So so let's be clear about this. When a man looks at a woman, that is not sin. When a woman looks at a man, that's not sin either. But when a man looks at a woman lustfully, that is sin. And when a woman looks at a man lustfully, that is sin. So the, the key word in this whole thing is the word lust. Right? And we could illustrate this. We could illustrate this. A man and a woman go to a business meeting, maybe a lunch meeting, to talk things over about how, what they're going to do at work. That is not sin. But this is sin. If a woman rips open the, the 2017 calendar of FDNY, the firefighters of New York, with uh, passionate attention. That's what Jesus is talking about. So, lust is very hard to define. But I think all of you know what it feels like. The ancients, they called it concupiscence you heard this word before? Concupiscence. And today we call it passion. So when people say follow your passions, you should probably think about that a little bit. But the ancients, as they thought about their urges and their lusts and their concupiscence, they actually said this is the lower human appetite. They said, so concupiscence, lust, is part of the lower human appetite that despite all rationality, despite knowing that this is wrong, despite all your better angels, you're saying, I want that. And it might be a woman. It might be a man might be a brand new car might be a beautiful house might be drugs it might be pornography but when this thing this lower appetite this we call it English lust when it starts to rise up you can recognize it can't you because some physiological things actually start happening too don't they your heart starts beating a little bit faster Maybe you start to sweat. Maybe some other things start happening in your body. This is what is called passion. This is what is called lust. And this is what Jesus calls adultery. Here's how Jesus brings this topic to an end. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin gouge it out and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell and if your right hand causes you to sin cut it off and throw it away it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell so this is actually one of Jesus favorite sayings did you know that He's going to repeat it later in the Gospel of Matthew. It's going to come up again. Here's what Jesus is suggesting. He's saying, maim yourself. Cut off uh, hands and gouge out eyes. And later he's going to say, cut off legs. And we've got to be clear about this. He's not speaking literally. Because otherwise, there'd be a bunch of maimed people in here. This is what Jesus is saying. Take radical action. Isn't that true? Take radical action, Jesus says. And look, Jesus took sin utterly and desperately seriously. Didn't he? That's why he's sitting there on the Sermon on the Mount. He's telling people. That's why he's talking In terms that are shocking. Because Jesus took sin very seriously. He took it so seriously that He left His throne in heaven. He came down to earth not just to teach. But to die. Because He knows what lives in the human heart. Passions that so easily get dirt up in us. He knew what lived in the human heart. He saw the filth. He saw the victimization. He saw the objectification. He saw all of those things. And he said, I love those people. I will rescue them from it. And so he took radical action and he died to take all of that sin away. We know this, don't we? but I really, really need you to get that this morning. In all of my years of being a pastor, you know where people carry their heaviest guilt? It's right here. When we start talking about sexual sin, when we start dragging up those memories, people feel almost impossible guilt. And so we really need to get this, that Jesus took radical action to make sure that you are so pure and so innocent that I'm going to say this in a shocking way so you get this. You are more pure and more blameless and more innocent than the Virgin Mary by His precious blood. And this is what we need to keep believing. But we also need to keep believing this, that you too, Jesus calls you too, to take radical Action. And I could stand you here all day giving you all kinds of applications how to, how to avoid sexual sins. But really I want to focus on just one application here this morning. Where does this sin take place? Jesus says, in the heart. And look, our hearts are wicked enough, are passionate enough all by themselves that we don't need to feed our hearts with all kinds of garbage because this is what happens. And I'm going to be very bold because Jesus is bold. And I don't want to be legalistic or anything like that because people are affected in different ways by the images that they see in shows and movies and books. But I really want you to think about this. Can you really watch Game of Thrones without your heart beating a little bit faster when it comes to the scenes of nudity? If you can, good for you. But if you can't, then I hope that the Holy Spirit makes when you watch that show make it taste like ash in your mouth. So you can't watch it anymore. And Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, if maybe you're into that Pulp Fiction thing. where you, And look, maybe you can read that stuff without these demons rising up inside of you, but if you can't, I really hope that after this sermon, it starts to taste like ash in your mouth. Why am I talking about this? Because ultimately, Jesus who took radical action for us is calling us to take radical action that we might have pure hearts, that the marriages of this congregation would be strong. That our little boys and girls would know how to treat each other with respect and honor. That people who are dating would experience the richness of communication well before they're married and experience other things. What Jesus really wants for us is to understand how to love each other. And so, I say all of this, that you might live as radically as Jesus did. Amen.